Lupus Cyberpunks. I'm your host, Lupus, and welcome to our Cyberpunk podcast, where we discuss various cyberpunk media. With me today, we have Sammy, who is currently muted, Barry. Hello. And Grim. Oh, good. Is recording. Okay. Is Grim muted? I don't know. No, I'm here. There we go. Okay, there we go. It is uh, recording. The counter's ticking up. Good. Um, all right. Today, we're going to discuss Blade Runner, a 1982 film by Ridley Scott, based off the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? As well as lesser-known facts about the movie. As always, if you haven't seen this movie and would like to, please watch it and then listen to this episode, as we will be giving a plot summary. No, so I know... He means Lubis. Yeah. So I know that this movie has different cuts with different plots, and I'll go over those later. And when uh, we're talking about spoiler content, look at the bottom of the screen, and it will say spoilers. And when the spoilers are done, it will say spoilers are done. Yes. Thank you, Barry. And if, for some reason, you're not watching the video of this on YouTube, sorry. We'll, <laughs> we'll uh... You just kind of have to bear with it. Or look in the notes to uh, see when you should fast forward to. Exactly. Um, so, this movie has different cuts with different plot points. Some extended, some reduced. We'll go over those later. Uh, research for this episode primarily consisted of IMDB. All the fun facts and stuff came from there, as well as the following plot summary from IMDb user Hugo. In the early twentieth, uh, in the early twenty-first century, the Tyrell Corporation, during what was called the Nexus Phase, developed robots called replicants. So this is spoiler content, correct? Yes, okay. this is spoiler Spoilers. content. Although. Although all of this is covered, all this first part is covered literally in the beginning text scrawl oh, yeah, of yeah. Blade Runner. And probably on the back of the uh, box, too. Yeah, but yes, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> I know some people um, don't, won't watch the new movie. Um, they won't even watch the new trailers for the new movie. They know the movie's going to be good, and they don't want to see anything to spoil it until they see the whole movie. And I'm like, yep, but why? People like that, too. Yeah. It's like, I'd rather, I'd rather get hyped. Yeah. Um, Back anyway, to the spoilery uh, content. Yes. Uh, these replicants were supposed to aid society, and the replicants that looked... Or they looked and uh, acted like humans. When the superhuman generation Nexus 6 replicants, used for dangerous off-Earth endeavors, began a mutant uh, <laughs> mutiny on an off-Earth colony, replicants became illegal on Earth. Police units, called Blade Runners, have the job of destroying, or in their parlance, retiring any replicant that makes its way back to or uh, has been created on Earth with anyone convicted of aiding or assisting a replicant being sentenced to death. 
Now it's November twenty nineteen. Wow, it's weird to read this and, and think that's in the past. By two years. Uh, it's now November twenty nineteen in Los Angeles, California. Oh, a little over a year, fourteen yeah. months, fifteen Rick, months. Rick Deckard, a former Blade Runner, is called out of retirement when four known replicants, most combat models have made their way back to Earth, with their leader being Roy Batty. And you'll find out more about Roy Batty later. Uh, one, Leon Kowalski, tried to infiltrate his way into the Tyrell Corporation as an employee, but has since been able to escape. Beyond following Leon's trail in hopes of finding and retiring them all, Deckard believes part of what uh, part of what will help him is figuring out what the replicants wanted with the Tyrell Corporation in trying to infiltrate it. The answer may lie with Tyrell's fail-safe backup mechanism. Beyond tracking the four, Deckard faces a possible dilemma in encountering a fifth replicant, Rachel, who works as Tyrell's assistant. The issue is that Dr. Eldon Tyrell is experimenting with her to provide her with fake memories so as to be able to better control her. With those memories, Rachel has no idea that she isn't human. The problem is not only Rachel's assistance to Deckard, but that he is beginning to fe develop feelings for her. Um, so that's the end of his... Or her explanation or plot summary, but there is more to the plot. Mm -hmm. For example, Deckard does eventually hunt down the replicants, or most of them. I don't believe he touches Rachel. Yeah. Um, Which Rachel does also mention them. the planned obsolescence. Yes, and then. Uh, Movie, I believe, ends with uh, Deckard and Rachel leaving, and it's kind of ambiguous on what happens with them. Mm -hmm. So, I stated earlier that there were different cuts of this film. There's a work print version... U.S. theatrical version, international version, director's cut, and the final cut. Mm. And there's a couple others sprinkled in there, but they're just kind of variations on the others, so I didn't bother including those. Uh, the work print version, a 113-minute version shown in test screenings, had negative results and was changed for the theatrical uh, the U.S. theatrical version was 117 minutes, added in a happy ending, and it had narration by Ford. Ford, if you don't know, played uh, Deckard. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this movie had an all-star cast, which I will go into in a moment when I read off some of the big names from this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh the international version 
which is, you know, everywhere but U.S., and also I believe it was the unrated version in the U.S. Mm. Uh, it just had more gore. Mm. It was the same length. It just had more violence and stuff in it. I uh, director's it must have been maybe two minutes of extra content, if that... No, it was the same length. Oh, it was the same length. I believe, but they just extended some of the scenes mm. and cut others. Uh, the director's cut featured the removal of it, the narration by Ford, mm. uh, added a dream sequence of a unicorn running through the forest, and removed the happy ending. And the final cut contained the full-length version of the Unicorn Dream, as well as all the international versions' violence. Ah. So, I'm going to go ahead and pull up that cast list for you guys. <coughs> so, Barry, I, being that you were pretty much the only one alive at, this, at the point that this movie came out, what do you remember about it? Uh, what year was that? 80... 82. 82. Well, at the time, uh, in, in 1982, I had my sixth birthday. So, my memories are that of, uh, first grade and early second grade. Which, um, about the Did only thing... Did <laughs> About the only thing I remember from uh, second grade is I got sick of uh, the people who were bullying me in my public school, and I switched to a private school. So right. um, I I remember my first grade teacher's last name, and I think that's about it. <laughs> oh, right. So I do have a cast list here. Uh, it had... Stars such as Harrison Ford, Rutger Hauer, Edward James Olmos. Oh, who was he? Uh, he played Gaff. Oh, right, right, yeah. Uh, you had Daryl Hannah. Yeah. And you had uh, James Hong. Uh, Daryl Hannah was the uh, replicant. She played Press. Yeah. Oh, Press. Oh, that wasn't the replicant that. Uh, was um, in the really nice place. Pris was the one that uh, got run over by a cab and crashed through a glass window. Yeah, Pris um, was being chased down by J.F. Sebastian, who was played by William Anderson. Yeah. Oh, and you had... Well, he wasn't in the movie. Never mind. I was going to say, you had David Webb Peoples, but he was the screenwriter. Oh, okay. But yeah, as far as big cast names go, that's about it. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to some interesting facts that you, the listener, and you, Barry, Grimm, and Sammy, mm -hmm. may not have known. Yes. Also, please note that the entries with time approximations are for the U.S. theatrical cut. And what's the other versions? It's give or take a minute either way. Yeah, or the work print version, which you really can't find very well anymore. Mm. Uh, at around 38 minutes after Pris 
uh, meets J.F. Sebastian. She runs away from him, skidding into his car and smashing the window with her elbow. Mm-hmm. This, however, was a genuine mistake caused by Hannah slipping on the wet ground. Whoops. The glass wasn't breakaway. It was actually real glass. And yeah, Hannah chipped her elbow in eight places due to it. Oof. She still has the scar from the accident, as can be seen in Dangerous Days, Making of Blade Runner. Uh, okay. Which is the making of documentary for this movie. Mm. Um, at around 47 minutes, the, the snake scale that's seen under the microscope mm. was actually a marijuana bud. <laughs> uh, Philip K. Dick only ever saw the first 20 minutes of this film due to his death in March of 1982. From several strokes. Ah, uh, that sucks. The term replicants is used nowhere in Philip K. Dick's writing. Mm. Uh, these creatures are, are these creatures in the source novel are called androids or Andes. The movie abandoned these terms, fearing they would sound comical spoken on screen. Yeah. Replicants came from screenwriter David, uh, David Webb Peoples' daughter, Risa, who was studying microbiology and biochemistry. Hmm. She introduced her father to the theory of replication, the process whereby cells are duplicated for cloning purposes. Hmm. The title for Blade Runner actually came from Alan Norse's the Blade Runner. They were traffickers of surgical tools, for example, scalpels. That's why it's so oddly related with this movie. Hmm. Here's a, probably the most interesting fun fact. <coughs> Rucker Hauer, who plays the main antagonist, Roy Batty, he died the year this movie takes place, huh. 2019. And neither Ridley... Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Give me just one sec. I will check on that. Who is that? Brett Gerhauer. What month? Oh. Uh, Brett Gerhauer died in... July of 2019. Mm. Didn't quite make it to November. Oh. But it would have been even better had he died in November of 2019. Yeah. Uh, neither director, nor Ridley Scott, nor screenwriter David Webb Peoples actually read Philip K. Dick's novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Hmm. And then there's a fun, a fun fact about a scene with a dove. Now yeah. this dove, <laughs> it was supposed to fly away after Roy Batty dies. Well... Something happened, and the dove couldn't fly, so it's just hopping along the ground. More fitting for the antagonist-released animal. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're dead. Oh, your spirit's in this dove? Yeah, guess what? You're still gonna hobble along. <laughs> it actually did work out much better than the dove flying away. Mm -hmm. 
It flew away. It's like, ah, oh, damn it, it's symbolic of he made it out. Damn it, that sucks. Ah, bad yeah. end. Dove is hopping instead. Mm. Oh, look at that. He's still crippled. And uh, so that is all I have written. Let's go ahead and discuss any fond memories we have of Blade Runner or anything else we'd like to add on the subject of the movie. Any fun facts I may not have covered that you guys have found and want to. Are spoilers over or should I still keep the warning up? Um, that is up to you guys. I'm totally fine either way. If you you can have a spoiler, please just try and... Okay, so from this point, we're going to try and dodge around the spoilers. Spoilers are over! Now, I remember... (laughs) I remember watching this movie at our dad's house. Mm. And... This movie features a very prominent scene that I'm sure you've seen in media elsewhere mm. since then. But um, it involves a certain woman with a certain amount of... Um, just... Things? <laughs> Trying to avoid saying the word. Cleavage. Thank you. Cleavage, that's a good word for it. Sure. And, um... I I remember getting to that scene, and I'm like, Great! I really didn't need to see this. (laughs) Uh, was that a nude scene? I forget. Uh, topless. Okay. But... Uh, yeah, the, uh, one that time scene. I was watching the movie the first time, I was going, why is Indiana Jones the main character in this? <laughs> oh, on that, um, so what Philip K. Dick said when he saw the movie was that they had perfectly, you know, they had perfectly gotten the world that he had pictured when he was writing it. Mm. Which makes it even f- funnier knowing that n- neither the director nor the screenwriter had read his novels. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that's just a stroke of luck, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe the... Uh, um some of the people that made the backdrops read the novels. It's possible, but I mean, when you have a screenwriter and a director that haven't read the novels writing a movie and it turns out as good and as close to the book as it does, yeah. I give you props. <laughs> that honestly kind of speaks to how good these two are together. Yeah. And of course, Blade Runner had a sequel, not um, based off a book, but had a sequel made for it. And I believe they are in the process of making a third. Well, but I don't know for sure. I forget. Blade Runner 2049. Oh, 2049. Wait, what, what year did that come out? I think I might have seen that a while ago. Um, 
I want to say like 2017. Give me a moment. Oh, if it's only a few years ago, yeah, I didn't see it yet. I thought it was like 10, 15 years ago, and I might have seen it and forgot. Oh, no. Nope, 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 nope. It was 2017. Okay, yeah, I don't think I saw that one yet. It has casts such as Harrison Ford, huh? Ryan Gosling, Jared Leto, mm. uh, David Batista. Oh, the wrestler? Yeah. Nice. Edward James Olmos. Again? <laughs> Same character. Mm. Um, it's about all the people that you probably know from that. And it's 30 There's years later. There's a lot later. of Swedish people. Yeah. Swedish and it's 34 people, or 30 years later. Do you know the Swedish chef? I know, I'm guessing Swedish 30 show. years later because of guessing they were filming it 30 years later and then they had to uh, do a bunch of oh, editing and post-production. It also had Sean Young who played Rebecca in both movies. Oh yeah, she she was the one that uh, was the replicant in the, in the luxury apartment or whatever it was. Yeah, in uh, Tyrell's place. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons why, um, for the all the uh, conflict in the movie, was because of the um, they they weren't uh, happy with what they had. They wanted better, but that's more yeah. of a uh, genre type of note as opposed to specific movie spoiler type of note. Now the screenwriters for this film were different. They this film was written. Or 2049 was written for, written by Hampton Francher and Michael Green. Mm. I don't know if, um, what's his name? Peoples was still, or is still around or not. Uh, yes, he is. He just, for some reason, didn't work on 2049. So also, because it's the name of the genre, and it also shares a name with the recent uh, computer game that came out, um, there are some parallels between what the replicants were dealing with and the main protagonist in the cyberpunk video game. You mean V? Yes. Because when you look at the uh, main thing that happens by the end of the first act in the video game, where um, V has Johnny Silverhand, um, Johnny Silverhand's engram on the uh, chip that's stuck in uh, your character that you made, and... Uh, the engram is slowly overriding your personality as you are playing. No, the game. this is a spoiler. This is a spoiler for the game. Apologies. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. But this is stuff that's like it. It's this been, is also covered in the prologue of the game. So. Yeah, and it's also been in the trailers since like five years ago. So um, yeah, but so that's why I'm not putting the spoiler tag up for this part. But because. There's um, stuff in there that says 
now that this thing's overriding your consciousness, you have a ticking clock. You will be overwritten. You have to figure out how to solve this quick or you're gone. And when you compare that to what's in Blade Runner with um, the inherent planned obsolescence of their coding, that's a parallel there. Yep. And I forget if that part itself is on the uh, description on the back or if it's one of the spoilers in the movie, but, um, I mean, that is mentioned pretty early in the movie, too. Yeah. So, uh, further parallels. Yeah, and, I mean, there's quite a few people that aren't huge fans of the cyberpunk genre that have seen Blade Runner, and there are, you know, a lot of people, their first experience with the cyberpunk genre is Blade Runner. And some people watched that movie when it came out, uh, nearly 40 years ago and they uh, walked out of the movie theater and said that movie was confusing I didn't get it what What the heck was going on with that and as they thought about the movie for the next at least a week they finally realized oh wait I, re I just realized that person in that movie they said this at some point didn't they and I totally forgot about it until just now and they totally didn't get it because it was such an alien kind of uh, society that they were dealing with as opposed to uh, what we were really dealing with in 1982. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to look back at these kinds of movies, these older, typically made in the 80s movies mm -hmm. that are cyberpunk and see kind of how they've shaped the technology of our world yeah because so sometimes technology just naturally evolves because that's the way it evolved but sometimes you look at movies like this and you see something in a, in this movie and it is such an impetus to create and invent and to replicate what you saw in this piece of fiction because it just grabs your imagination so much. It wrenches it free from its moorings of floating wildly like, I need to make this. That thing is amazing. And there you go. Um, it's not, it's not even a new phenomenon either. When you take into account Hedy Lamar had the original sketches for how to make a cell phone, and then you look at uh, what Da Vinci did with uh, cannons and helicopters, and yeah, literally. <laughs> and then you look yep. at some of the other uh, philosophers and something from a uh, couple of thousand years ago with. Um, Oh, whose mirror was that that made uh, sunlight into a laser weapon? I forget. Someone. You, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I mean, this is just one of the more recent advents that uh, is shaping our present and future. And some of the things in uh, some of these movies and plays and books and whatever format you're talking about, some of it is still fiction. Give it a few years. That's going to change. And, you know, I mean, 
years ago, if you lost an arm or something, by whatever means, mm-hmm. you're going to get one of those kind of ugly hook hands or one of the like three-prong arms that aren't really good for gripping anything. You know what I'm talking about? With, like, the two metal loops on one side and, like, a kind of metal hook on the other. Mm-hmm. But nowadays... oh, dude, But now you can actually... Hands. Yeah, you have 3D-printed cybernetics. Oh, no, I broke a part. Hold on. Click, 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 print. Okay, I'll have a new part in... Oh, damn it, three hours? hours? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, when you think of how the technology has advanced and now how you can get these cool augmentations if you've unfortunately met with an accident that has caused you to lose a limb Mm -hmm. and you actually now get the ability to have that limb again. Yeah. I mean, it's not as sensitive as we see in these kinds of media. The biggest but it's much better than it when used you're talking to be about, like 40 years ago. The biggest obstacle when you're talking about uh, replacing just one part with a 3D print is if you ran out of rigid filament and all you have is flexible or vice versa and you need the one specific type because if it's a little teeny nothing, flexible might not work. It might not uh, support correctly or rigid might uh, not have the flex you need for the specific part. This is true. Yeah. Um... So, Graham, Sammy, what are you guys' thoughts on Blade Runner? And how it's affected the cyberpunk genre and the world as a whole. Sounds like a good movie and I need to watch it. You still haven't seen Blade Runner? How was I supposed to have found it and watched it in a week? Because it's only a two and a half hour movie. Well, to be and fair, it is kind of hard to find that You can send to me in the mail? Uh, I think it's available uh, to watch for free online somewhere. I somewhere. do have a copy exactly. I could send you, but it'd be very costly. <laughs> so, no, I haven't seen the movie. Hmm. I do need to see the movie, but I haven't seen it right now. All right. It is a good movie. Uh, Grim? Thoughts? Grim? You there? Apparently not. Alright. Well. Maybe knock on his door and poke him on the shoulder or something. You can do that. We're what? Roughly. How, how far are we in, Barry? Um. My recording says. Uh, 31 minutes, 15 seconds. A 30-minute podcast, not bad. Barry, you got anything you want to plug? Um, oh, just my usual stuff. If you want more of my, uh, idiocy and antics playing, uh, computer games and stuff, you could follow K-H-Z-H-A-K, like you see on the screen there. Um, on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. My pinned tweet on Twitter links to adult content, so if you don't like that, don't click those. Otherwise, um... Also, if you're a minor, do not click those. Yeah, that too, because it's adult content. Um, 
So, you know, uh, if you click on any of those, when you go to that site, it's going to ask you if you're 18. If you're not 18, don't lie. So, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, or if you don't want to see that type of content, lie and say you're not 18 yet. As long as you're not uh, viewing content you're not supposed to be, it's all good. Um, the other stuff is uh, on YouTube. I link to... Um, I'm not sure where this is being uploaded just yet, but I will link to that on YouTube. I also link to uh, a couple of D&D games that uh, I play with some of the people that are in this podcast right now. Um, so uh, if you, if you uh, click on... Um, some of those other channels, you might see some D&D stuff. I also link on YouTube and host their channels on Twitch for my friends I play other computer games with. Like, right now, we're about two weeks into Borderlands 2, and we're going to play it all the way through to most of, if not all, of the DLC. And once we're done with that, we're going to start Borderlands 3 probably, oh, in about a year and change. We'll see. So... We did uh, the original Borderlands and the pre-sequel. That's completed and up online to watch on Mad Matt's YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah. Um, lots of video games and D&D and fantastic stuff. And so I want you guys to tune in next week for our topic on or for our discussion on Cyberpunk 2077. Ah, we're going to focus on that instead of exactly. just, you know, side comments. And we will see you later Cyberpunks. And on